Hey, hey, this is Takara, and you are listening to A Letter to My Sister podcast. You are in the right place if you are raised to be a strong, independent woman who didn't have to depend on anybody for anything, but then you realize there were some lessons that you didn't quite get as you were going along the way. We often go through life the best way that we know how, and we don't even realize that there's a better way. So in here, there will be some raw and real conversations surrounding life lessons about the things that we wish that we had known, maybe about self, love, money, and even our careers. So if you're new here, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, and I would love for you to leave a rating and review as well. So now that we've got all that out the way, let's chat, sis. Hey sis, today we are talking all about self and that is embracing your unique and authentic self. The topic in particular that I chose to hone in on today was self-confidence. It's something that definitely I needed some improvement on growing up, but what I've come to realize is that when you exude self-confidence, people are more attracted to you. People want to follow you. People can get in line with exactly with what you're saying, even if you're talking mess, (laughs) if you have self-confidence. So take a listen to this discussion that I have with Enid as we talk about what self-confidence is and what it isn't. Listen up. Welcome to A Letter to My Sister podcast. I am so happy to have you on today's episode about self-confidence. How are you today? I am fantastic. I'm so happy to be on here with you today to talk about girl stuff. Yes, let's do it. Because you know what? We're just going to hop right into it. And so I know that you are called EK Confidence. So tell me, how did you come across or start doing this work of confidence and self-confidence? It's so funny when people ask me that question because I know where it it's birthed from, it stemmed from a lack of confidence. You know, I was this little girl who didn't have any self-worth. I was constantly being told that I was not good enough or as good as my cousins. And so I was taught, I was taught at a very young age not to have confidence. And I went through my life thinking I wasn't supposed to. I thought that girls that look like me were not supposed to have confidence and that we were born to, you know, populate a certain part of humanity and we just play our part you know, be average or below average and just be happy that you get invited to the places you get in. Basically, be grateful for whatever you get uh, because you technically don't deserve more than that. It sounds so sad when I say it out loud. (laughs) It certainly sounds interesting. And kind of the the first thing that came up for me was I don't remember what book I was reading. I think it was Untamed by Glennon Doyle, which was saying, okay. as young girls, like we feel like we're bosses, like from birth all the way up till maybe about the age of seven or so. 
we we're we're the smartest. We're the we have no problems outdoing whoever we're doing, any girl, any guy. We're super confident. Mm-hmm. But then it's like once we get into the school system. And then we start learning, oh, I'm supposed to play a different role. Then all of a sudden we shirk back and then that confidence completely escapes us. Possibly never Mm. to be seen again for another 10, maybe 20 years or so. And we're like, oh, I should have had this all along. And so it seems like... Even for me, I I definitely struggled (laughs) with self-esteem and struggled with self-confidence just for that same reason, because I was raising my hand, but then I was made fun of for my voice. So then I was like, oh my God, something is wrong with my voice. And it's like, you don't know these things until someone says it to you and you're like, oh, I didn't realize something was wrong, but since more than one person has told me, clearly you all know what you're talking about. And clearly I don't know. Yeah. So then, so then how did you come back along to say, okay, this ain't it. I think I had an aha moment when I turned 40 and I really I understood that my parents knew what they were talking about all along when they would tell me, oh, those people are insecure or those people are jealous. When you are young and insecure and feeling ugly and someone tells you you're not those things, the people that called you those things are jealous of you. It's hard to believe because it's like, why would they be jealous of me? They have nice clothes. They have nice shoes. They have two parents like I do. But then you grow up and then you realize that hurt children left with unresolved issues become hurt adults. And I started to realize like, oh, then I see I would see that same behavior in adults and then I could relate it to my childhood. And then it was like, oh, so you know what? I was I was actually pretty when those people were telling me that I was ugly and you know what? I can wear this outfit and look gorgeous in it. I can't style my hair this way and command a room. It was almost like I just started to debunk each lie that I had told myself because two, and that's the part that I left out. I started, I had children and because I went through what I went through, I wanted to make sure that my children knew how amazing they were, how gorgeous they were. And I, we, we had two kids and then we had, we got pregnant with twins and I had, we had only had fair skinned children up to a certain point. So when we had our twins, one of my children, one of them came out dark and it was almost like I got shot back into the past. Like I have to make sure that she does not think the same twisted ways. And you said, well, you said when Glennon was talking about getting into the school system, but for me, it happened before I ever set foot in the school. My family were the ones who told me I was too black. They were the ones who let me know I was ugly before I ever set foot into a school. You know what I mean? So when I realized my kids are amazing, but I was still acting average. One of my kids asked me one day, like, why don't you know how amazing you are? Why are you always second guessing yourself? This is my 13 year old. And I was in P2P when we were having this conversation. And she was like, why do you do that? And I don't, I didn't have an answer for her, but I wanted to know for myself, 
I know when I can't find the answer and when I can't seem to get it from the Lord, I'll call one of my Christian counselor friends because they seem to always be able to help me to connect the dots. And through that whole process, getting a coach, getting new friends, being built up by my children and just realizing like, I'm actually, I really am dope. I'm like dope AF. Like I Absolutely. am, I'm the bomb. <laughs> you know, I'm the bomb and you start saying these affirmations and you, you say I'm enough, then you really, you really do start to believe it. And it's like, no, I am not. I used to call myself, um, I had another alter ego. I called, she, she was, she was, what, what was her name? Anyway, she was EK47. That was her name. And I was proud of her. Like I would tell people that was my nickname. And it's like, no, why, why did I develop that persona? I developed it to protect the little girl who was tired of getting her feelings hurt. So I became this person that was tough and nasty and ratchet and all these negative things because I thought that that exemplifies strength when in actuality, I really just, I really just wanted confidence and I didn't have to want it. I already had it. I let those people diminish my flame, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like my flame was burning and I let them just, just each, each negative comment was like a drip, like a raindrop on my, 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 my candlestick and until it went out. And then once I got older and I started working on myself and I started to see into, I can't leave out, you know, getting reconnected with Bible study and all of that stuff. It's like, I re- re- was reminded who I really was and God thinks that I'm the bomb. So it's like, who cares what those people think? And at the end of the day, they're just, they, they're just, they need their own therapy. They need a hug. They need to talk to somebody. And I was just an easy target at the time. So a long way of answering your question. <laughs> That's okay. We about to hit it. Cause I got three points that I wrote down. So let's go back a little bit. Cause let, let's establish this first. How exactly mm-hmm. do you define self-confidence? Self-confidence is being sure of who you are. And when I say who you are, I mean, knowing that that spirit that's in you is from the most high God and that you are sure, you know, like, you know, like, you know, nobody can tell you anything about you because the original creator told you who you were. You know it. You believe it. Nobody can waver you from that. Okay. We were all created in his image. Yes. And he is perfect, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I call it like um, a variety, like Neapolitan ice cream. Some people like strawberry. Some people like vanilla. Some like chocolate. And some like myself just like to mix it all in. (laughs) And it's all in the same box. Exactly. And each one is unique for its own flavor. And you can do different things yep. with each one. I'm like, I like vanilla because I can mix cookies in there if I want to, if I want to make a float or whatever, I can do that with the vanilla. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's how I see people. There's a variety of people. And then you come across people with different experience, different flavors to them. And, you know, there's some like, you know, this group of people, y'all know y'all can cut up, you can dance, y'all can have fun. <laughs> and then this group of people over here, you can have some super intellectual conversations with that, you know, you may not be able to get from these people. And that's quite all right. right. You take people for where they are. 
perfectly fine. Yep. <laughs> so then on to that, the other point that you made was about an alter ego, because I had a discussion with this in my stories on Instagram asking people, well, what, what do you consider to be self-confidence? And one of the things that I had noticed is for me is that I go to work wearing a uniform. So it's like mm-hmm. when I wear this uniform, all of a sudden I become almost like Superman per se. I put on this different persona. The person who wears mm-hmm. the uniform has all of the confidence in the world. I can go in there. I could command the room. Super friendly with everyone. I connect with everyone. Everyone loves the presentation. Everyone got good information from that. But when that uniform comes off and then I have to interact with other people or I have to, especially when it came to like, um, especially sometimes romantic relationships, I almost felt like I was out of my element. And it was like, oh my God, I, <laughs> where is my where is my alter ego at? And so with you, with your alter ego, did you find it that helped you in certain circumstances? Did that hinder you in others? Or what ultimately have you done with that? I think it fiend help. Like it, I told myself that having that personality helped me, but it really didn't because I wanted friends. I wanted real friendship. I wanted pure friendship. I didn't want like dirty, tainted, toxic friendship, which is what EK47 was good mm-hmm. for because it's like, let's get drunk, let's get high, let's turn up, let's act a fool. And if I wake up tomorrow with no friends, that's okay, because I'll get more friends. You know me. Like, I can make friends wherever I go. But instead of using my powers for good, I used them for evil. But I acted like it helped me, when it really didn't. I didn't like being a jerk. I didn't like being a B-word. But you convince yourself, like, this This is what fun looks This is what confidence looks like. And it was like, no, that's, that's what hurt looks like. Uh, that's what trauma looks like. So no, it didn't help me. If you would have asked me 10 years ago, I would say it, it helped me, but it didn't. And I think deep down inside, the alter ego is us. It's some piece of us that you know we may or may not be tapped into. And it's like, well, if your yeah. alter ego is positive, then why can't that be you all the time? So even I had to think back and be like, well, my alter ego was actually positive. They connect with people. It's very fun. Why why can't that be me? Why can't I fully presently tap into that part of me all the time? Why why does it only come on seemingly when I have this uniform on versus when I go home and I'm like, oh, I don't I don't know. <laughs> quiet, quiet as can be. <laughs> But then I have this uniform on and I'm lively as can be. And they're like, okay, um, you need, you need some coffee or. (laughs) That's really interesting. Right. This is not who I met a few hours ago. What happened? Yeah, I, um, that's really, that is really interesting. And I, it's so funny because I I used to hate EK47. I say used to, I just stopped hating her a couple months ago. Because I realized hating her was hurting me. Mm -hmm. Because even though she was the way she was, she was doing the best she could at the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, and, and I know that I went, I know that 
I went through all of that so that I can touch those people that EK Confidence can't touch. Like there are some people that meet me as EK and they shrink away from me because they think that I can't relate to them when if they only knew. Right. <laughs> you know, if you only knew what my footsteps look like 20 years ago, then maybe. So I, I, I'm saying all that to say that I know I'm, I know that I need EK47 to reach certain people that EK can't touch. Okay. So with that, and again, this came from one of our discussions in the stories is a misconception mm-hmm. about what self-confidence is. And you kind of brought that up earlier about how you knew that you were pretty, but other people were like, nah, sis, you ugly. You, you ain't got it. You ain't got it. So that other people can kind of try to bring you down. So what do you feel or what's been your experience as far as some misconceptions or what people just may have completely wrong about self-confidence? I think that sometimes people, and tell me if I'm not answering this right, because I think I heard you right. But I feel like sometimes people mistake arrogance and cockiness for confidence. And I was one of those people because the people that I looked at as confidence were that way. And if if it was somebody that I liked, then I might not have minded. Like, let's say, for instance, Mariah Carey. A lot of people don't like her. I like Mariah Carey. So if I see her acting cocky and arrogant, then I might be quicker to be like, okay, that's what confidence looks like. And then two, I worked in corporate tech sales for so long around white men and the whole thing is fake it till you make it. Mm -hmm. So I always in my mind felt like confidence was something I had to fake because you hear fake it till you make it so much. So it's just like, well, Enid, you don't have it. Fake it till you make it. Act like so I, I must confidence must be something you have to fake to have but it's like no I think being truly um just being comfortable in your own skin you mentioned my haircut at the start of this conversation a couple of people have let me know they don't like it and I'm so glad I'm at I'm where I am in my life right now because eight-year-old Enid would have changed her whole hairstyle mm-hmm. to please those people and ek confident in it is like well i'm glad i'm not married to you <laughs> you know it's like i'm so glad that my hair like you have nothing to do with my life like that um so yeah i for me it's like I had to really learn what confidence was and it's just being able, I want to be able to look myself in the mirror and tell my kids, I want to be able to live my life in a way that they can look at it and be like, oh yeah, I want to be like my mom. I want to live like my mother and me be okay hearing that, Mm -hmm. you know, because sometimes you'll hear people say that and in your mind, you're like, oh, they don't even know I'm, I'm, I'm doing this CD stuff. It's like, no, I really want to be somebody that they can truly be proud of and emulate. Okay. I feel like anyway, confidence kind of comes in waves. So, and, and to me, it may even teeter between confidence and maybe even a little bit of imposter syndrome. Mm. So I was wondering if you could speak to that. I need you to elaborate a little bit more. (laughs) So, I feel like there are certain phases in which we go through. So so let's just say I'm I'm new on a job. Mm-hmm. New, as people say. 
I've been on a job for a year, but for whatever reason, I still want to call it new because I just, I just want to, I feel more comfortable saying new. Mm-hmm. And I go, I, I give the presentations. I talk to the people, I do the paperwork. I do all of that just fine. But then I still feel the need to go back and ask someone, is this okay? Oh, yeah. And then I'm getting all of the validation. Everyone's giving me the kudos. I may even be getting awards, but because I still don't feel confident in it, I don't feel quite worthy of it. Okay. So I feel like you were talking about me when you were saying that. I do, because that's something I've struggled with over the years, imposter syndrome. Um, So my experience with this, and I feel like for all of us women, because scientists, people that have studied imposter syndrome, they make it seem like it affects women more than anything. Um, So that makes me think that, okay, what is common typically amongst women we are raised to be nurturers we are raised to to take care of everybody else not just nurture but literally make sure everybody is okay um we are told to give up our services for free we should just do it if people ask us to do something we should never say no And this is just information I got, like, from my friend circle and my family circle. So it's like, wait a second, if this is happening to most women, not all women, if this is happening to most women at a larger scale, then it's no wonder why we struggle with things like imposter syndrome. But then you take it a step further and you talk about black women who, like, we had to change everything about us just to be welcome in the workplace. We had to change our hair. We had to change the way we talk. You know, we had to suck. I don't know if we had to suck in our butts, but I remember when I was a kid, having a big butt was a bad thing. And if you wore clothes that accentuated that in a corporate setting, that was a bad thing. And so it's like, okay, we get there. Our families hype us up. Like it's a big deal that you got that job. So now you feel like, I have to overperform. I have to overcompensate. I have to prove to everybody in the room that I belong here. Even though I went to college, even though I I could be smarter than half the people in here, but in my mind, because I feel like I'm I snuck in. Seriously, I felt like if they knew everything, then they might reconsider. It's like where does that come from? And I know it's rooted and childhood trauma, I know that it is. And it's it's a trauma that's passed down from generation to generation because my mother was a professional, her mother was a professional. And so it's like, how do you how do you speak? I, I you 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 have to you have to seek help or you're gonna approach burnout real fast. You are because you're you're gonna constantly overcompensate. And most people, they don't look at what you do and say, Oh, you're doing a great job. Keep it up. No, they give you more. Mm-hmm. And they give you more. And then they tell other people about you. And then they start requesting you. And then before you know it, it's like where you you are lost in the sauce. Where are you at? Who's taking care of you? Yeah. And and it almost sounds like a a slippery slope from yep. how you're describing it as boundaries as well, because then it's like, okay, well, do we have the proper boundaries in place for all of this? And I completely Mm. get what you're saying as far as childhood trauma, 
because and and I think so much of what we go through, we never consider it a, a trauma. <laughs> yeah. We we just consider it living and that's yep. how how it was done. And even the conversations that seemingly our parents had to have with us as children. And it's like, well, what kind of child is supposed to have this kind of information? So, you know, we most black children are taught that you need to be better, stronger, quicker fast yeah you've got to work twice as hard to get to the same level that someone else and it's like when you hear this as a child and then let's say you're one of those who were practically raised to be a perfectionist and how dare you come home with a c Mm. so now you're working harder quicker faster then you're trying to become this perfectionist and you only want to bring home a's and b's and i feel like all of this just kind of compounds over time and then once you become an adult and you take all of those habits with you and you don't want the C, although you're not getting the grade anymore, you still want the kudos. You still want to be the top. Exactly. Out, even evaluations. Yeah, I, I got to be top 10%. If I'm not top 10%, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> and it, it's like it all um, compiles over time. And it's interesting that you say that it only affected women because I did a poll And I was saying, you know what? I have this terrible tendency to overthink things. And we we talked about fear versus Mm -hmm. anxiety. So fear being something that's actually present. Right. Anxiety is you making up a story about what potentially could happen. And that's the thing that you use to stop you. So when I said, can you relate? All the women were like, absolutely, I can relate. The men were like, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I can't relate. But I, I'm like, again, I think that goes back to how we're raised because boys are yep. taught to go out here and, and be adventurous and, and fall if you want to. But you can't be a girl and fall and then scrape your knees up. Oh, my God. Don't do that. Put some cocoa butter on. <laughs> That's the truth. So what is your take on that as far as just sometimes the, the programming that we receive as children to say, these are not acceptable. (laughs) How do you do that? Because I I believe that you said something to this effect when you were with your own children, um, as far as that. So how, how does one work through that? Well, programming, that's a great word to use. I am reprogramming myself and I'm reprogramming my children. I decided yesterday, my husband, his job is so goofy where they award vacation by tenure and his vacation falls at a time when the kids have school. And under normal circumstances, I say they can't have a vacation during that time because they can't miss school. But I decided they actually can miss school because having an experience and a memory of this vacation with their parents is more important. And I'm realizing more and more the pandemic made me realize I don't want to call school a racket. I think school is important, but I think that the way we do school can be changed to be a little bit more efficient. I was, you know, we were able to get our kids taught in two hours every day. So I'm wondering what's happening in these schools for six hours every, every day. You you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I'm just, I'm just wondering what is going on. So 
Um, I'm doing a lot of reprogramming. I've had to apologize to my children about some things, especially when it comes to things like scarcity mindset, saying things like money doesn't grow on trees and just negative self-talk that I did not knowing what I was doing. So it's like reprogramming them that way. As far as imposter syndrome, I am hoping they don't know what that is at all. I tell them all the time, you deserve to be in every room God has placed you in. You deserve every opportunity God puts before you. You Not only that, I take it a step further. You're going to kill every opportunity. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. oh my God, you're going to win that race. Oh my goodness. When you, because they, 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 they're performers. So I'm always hyping them up. Now, I didn't have that, but my parents did a great job. They just didn't know I needed that. They gave me what they thought I needed. And now that we're all older and we're living and it's like, oh, okay. Some things we might have been lied to about, you know, about life and survival, about God, you know. And so I'm just... Just trying to make it all right from today. (laughs) Just trying to make it all right from today. You know what, though? I think this pandemic has opened a lot of people's eyes. And in a big sense, I think the pandemic did have, if nothing else, a positive effect on how we think and how we choose to go about our day-to-day. A lot of us have realized I have been completely out of balance. I focused on work, 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 work. Yes. But then I wasn't so much focused on my family, focused on my kids. And then, you know, some of my friends were like, I didn't even know my child struggled with X, Y, Z or this until I started spending all of this time, right, this time with them or when they would say, you know what? The teachers said that they had this or the teacher said that they were a problem. But as I'm working with them, I'm noticing it's not my child. It's maybe that the teacher was not patient enough or my child just needed five or 10 more minutes to be able to be able to absorb the information. And maybe the teacher just didn't have the time to do that. Mm-hmm. And people are finding creative ways to to do school because my friend realized the same thing. She was like, we did all of our schoolwork and had that done in like three to four hours. <laughs> she said, what are we doing? What are we doing the rest of the time? So she actually, um, one of the teachers in her community had actually quit working and she just started doing kind of one-on-one. And mm-hmm. so she hired she and some other people within her community hired that teacher to do some more kind of one-on-one type things. And then that Mm -hmm. teacher's spouse, I believe was kind of into technology or engineering. So they used that to give their children a more well-rounded type of curriculum so that they are more so into STEM since that's the way that we're going or they start learning how to build things and work with their hands because she was like, that's not what they're doing in school, but that doesn't mean that I can't do it here and use these resources mm-hmm. that I have yep. available for me at this time. That makes perfect sense. I love, I was contemplating homeschooling my children. Luckily, I didn't, I didn't have to do that, but I think that's great. The pandemic opened up, I mean, it opened up our eyes about church, 
because so many people had tied their faith and their salvation to that building mm -hmm. and then got took all those buildings away. Yeah. And it's like, what you're not going to talk to me now because you can't. <laughs> it's like, of course, we figured out new ways to worship, which was the original way in your house on your floor, you know, mm -hmm. before you start getting wrapped up and being a part of the clique. And so, yeah, spending a lot of time with them. I've learned my husband and I, we've been together 23 years. This is probably the best time we've had. And the pandemic revealed all of that. It's like, besides the fact of the pandemic, everything getting shut down, just people dying and falling off mm -hmm. every day. And you realize, like, me just asking myself, because see, a lot of people said 2020 was the worst year of their life. 2020 was a great year for our family. And I feel blessed to be able to say that. And and but it's a conscious choice it's a deliberate decision that we make every day even with the imposter syndrome it's like are you what are the what is the alternative to the burnout deciding that you deserve to be where you are and putting out your best work in the time that they give you <laughs> mm -hmm. you leave, you go take care of you and those that you love yeah I, I completely agree. It's all of, it's all about mindset and, and the lens that you choose to look at it. I mean, because I did, I certainly did have um, some deaths in the family due to COVID. I even had a <laughs> death of my marriage also in the middle of COVID. But it's like, but perspective though, the the perspective that I have, the mindset shift that I made to say, okay, what's the lesson? I see where we're going, but what's the lesson? Yeah. Even like you were talking about with church and how we had to do church differently. Okay. Now, have you realized though, that maybe you were depending too much on the pastor and you weren't doing your own studying? Were yep. you depending too much on minister Yep. deacon elder bishop whoever and you weren't doing your own and now you see that maybe some of the teaching that you got maybe was a little incorrect a little tainted so yeah i think yeah i just think the pandemic has at least opened our eyes to a lot of things and uh, has allowed us to do a a mindset shift if yep. you will for how we how we view everything with that. And then so flipping over into mindset shift and going back to self-confidence. And it's what I'm gathering from our conversation is that this is all an inside job. And I wanted to go to a point that you made when you said your parents didn't do a bad job. It's just that you didn't know what you needed and I feel like the children growing up today are so in tune <laughs> with yeah. their emotions mm -hmm. that they actually have the ability to tell us what they need mm -hmm. and for us to kind of go from there. And I think if you are that self-aware and it all comes from within, when you can actually look introspectively and tell someone, this is what I need. I think that's that's the first piece. That's the first start of self-confidence, asking for what you want, asking for what you need. Yeah, because there is a level of boldness with doing that. 
it's so funny. I needed, I had car trouble earlier in the week and I needed, um, my daughter needed a ride to practice. And I asked another parent to take her. Now the parent and I had been texting back and forth, having a conversation. But when I asked that question, if she could pick Jada up, the conversation stopped. Have you ever been talking to somebody and then you ask for a favor and then the conversation stops? <laughs> right. Where did they go? Right. But see, I don't, I didn't like asking for help in the past. I'm just one of those people. I'll just do it myself. I don't like it. I don't like asking people for help, but then let me ask and you tell me no, then it's like, I should have never asked. I knew I shouldn't have asked. Mm -hmm. And I started having those thoughts for a second, but then I said, no, this is one person. She can't help. It's okay. But I'm not going to let this stop me from asking for help when I need it. And it's so funny when you said that, but that's the first step. I really do think that it is because so many people don't ask questions. They don't ask for help because they don't want to be told no. So they just don't. Wow, that's a revelation. <laughs> and it's it's interesting because let's see, I think I think this time because I I don't know where I be getting all these books from, but I think this time I was listening to Bamboozled by Jesus by Yvonne Orji, mm -hmm. and one of the points that she made is that if one person tells you no, you just ask the wrong person. And you right. just go to somebody else. Right. Like that's what you just asked the wrong person. And so oh. the example that she gave was about finding a flight. They couldn't find it in the computer anymore. The guy said, I can't help you. you just, just call it done. You're not going to be able to find that, that flight for that cheap of a price. You're just going to have to go back into the system and just pay full price. So mm -hmm. she said, okay, well, can you transfer me to somebody else? And then they transferred her and that person was like, oh, let me see what I can do. She just asked the wrong person the first time. Mm -hmm. I like that. And that, that happens a lot when you think about it. Mm -hmm. Like how many times have I heard an answer been like, okay, hang up, call back. Thank you. Right. <laughs> yeah, we just asked the wrong person. So it's like, it's almost like that's the mindset that we need to have for for everything. And this is even something that I'm learning every day, even today, every day kind of thing is asking for what you want. And even if that person says, no, I just asked the wrong person and I can mm -hmm. go to somebody else. So that's whether it's work, whether it's personal, whatever it is, I ask for what I want. And if they tell me no, well, okay, I know now that I just can't do that with you. Right. You go to someone else and see what right. they say. I really like that. <laughs> I do. Because I didn't think about it like that. But you can literally apply that to everything. everything I really like everything. Everything. And, and again, this is something that I have just kind of come across these past few weeks. Like asking someone to pick me up from the airport. Oh, you can't do it? Okay, let me ask someone else. You can? Mm -hmm. Great. All right. Do you want to go out to dinner? Oh, you're busy? Okay, let me ask the next person. Oh, you can? Great. All right. <laughs> you at <laughs> that is so I love it. I love it. 
It's like, just ask the next person. We we got our cell phones. We got all these contacts in there that we just, that we don't use. We use like the same five people. I've got yeah. like 500 contacts. Let me just roll down my little list. I had their number for a reason. Right. So I do like that. And there was something else that I was going to say. Oh, well, actually that kind of, that kind of went along with it was that, when you have when you have that self confidence, it's like it it spills over into every other area of your life. It's like the vanilla extract. You you put it in this one piece, and but it's gonna it's gonna permeate the whole entire dessert of whatever it is that you're trying to do. Yep, that's true. Was that a question? I'm sorry. <laughs> No, no, it looked like you were going to say something. So I was like, <laughs> no, it was just waiting. you're such a great interviewer. I thought there was a question at the end. <laughs> okay. Well, I feel like this has been a great discussion. Was there anything else that you wanted to add to it? I want to thank you again for having me. I think that your podcast in particular is great for women, but especially in addition to young women, I love the messaging. And we're talking about things that girls need. I wish these girls are so lucky to have all these podcast options and all these places that they can go and get built up. So I would just say, keep doing the work that you're doing. And um, I'm going to be praying for you. And please don't you know, when you feel yourself getting discouraged, do whatever you need to do to get out of that because this is phenomenal. Are you coaching? Because I feel like I just got coached. Um, <laughs> I'm not coaching. Not yet anyway. <laughs> well, this is great work. I love it. And I just wanted you to know that I appreciate you having me here. Well, thank you so much. So before I let you go, I do have a question for you. And so that is regarding self-confidence. What is it that you would tell your sister? She could be your younger sister, your older mm -hmm. sister, your sister next door. But what is it that you would tell your sister about self-confidence? I would tell her, I wouldn't even mention the word confidence. I would just say, girl, you already have what it takes. You were born with the secret sauce. It might be hidden. You might not see it. You might not smell it, but it's there. It's not attached to you. It's in you. And if you are if you are in a bad space right now, if you're struggling, if you don't feel so good about yourself, then just know that that is the enemy trying to distract you because he knows how amazing you are. And he knows that if the world get a, a small piece of your amazingness, then it's over for him. Now, give me a hug and go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you have it. That is the spinach in the smoothie method. You can't <laughs> taste it, but we know she put it in there. And she has lifted you up all at one time. So Enid, again, thank you so much for coming by. I certainly appreciate you. And I will definitely make sure to put your bio and all of your information so that the good people know how to contact you. Thanks, sis. Love you. Love you.
And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, from Miss Enid herself. I have loved this conversation for two reasons. The first one is that she and I recorded this episode back in September. So to see where we are today, months later, what is that? Four months later, September, October, November, December, January. Yeah. So where we are four, almost five months later from the date of this recording, she and I have both moved leaps and bounds from where we were in September. But not only that, talking to her was literally like talking to another sister, a slightly older sister. You know what I'm saying? Like it was just a really good and fun conversation. So let me give you a little bit more information about Enid so you know who she is and where to find her. Enid is a dynamic public speaker, a professional trainer, coach, and executive producer of Your Confidence Reconnected podcast. Enid has made it her mission to help women reconnect with their inner superhero so they can boldly pursue their purpose and walk confidently in who God has called them to be. Enid can be found on all major podcast outlets. You can also find her on Instagram at ek underscore confidence. And of course, you can always go to her website, www.yourconfidencereconnected.com. So I just know for sure that you are able to at least glean some type of information from today's chat. We talked about self-confidence, what it is, what it isn't. We talked about imposter syndrome. And we talked about alter egos because, honestly, I think most of us probably have one. But all around, I feel like this was a really great conversation for us to have, for us to tap into who we are. And especially for the advice that Enid gave, she said everything that we have is already within us. We already have what it takes. There's nothing else that we need to do. So definitely stand on that today. Truly stand on that. Okay? So, sis. There is no one like you. There is no one out here that can do the things that you do. So show up, let your light shine bright, and never dim it for anyone. Until next time, bye.